What's up, everyone? It is Sunday. How are you all doing out there? You getting ready for some trick or treats, man? And I'm hoping y'all getting some treats out there. You know, a nice blonde doing something down below. Hey, maybe you're into freaking brunettes. Who knows? All I know is I'm hoping you get some treats, man, and not no tricks, man. How's everybody doing in the comments section? We have Archbishop coming aboard as soon as he gets, uh, you know, situated. He just came off of the Boneyard. Don't forget to get on over there, man. You guys got to go check out the big uh, Boneyard with uh, Big Bone 1% as well as Archbishop 1%. Today, we're going to get into some big deal here today. We're going to be talking about two things motorcycle uh, profiling from the black biker point of view as well as public perceptions of police yes yesterday i did a story on the atf and how they operate and we talked about the case of Dobbins versus United States. That was Jay Dobbins. Appreciate that big toe for the four ninety nine dollars uh, super sticker right there. And today I want to continue that journey. The journey of trying to figure out why the public has the perception of cops that they do. Is it because it's earned? Or it's just overblown in the media? These are two big questions. Now, if you're a follower of mine, uh, you'll always see me out there, you know, really freaking pumping on the cops, man. That's just the way it was. Like I was talking yesterday, my generation, it was always, okay, you're the cop. I'm the robber. You're supposed to catch me. I'm supposed to try to not get caught, and we never meet in the middle. That kind of stuff has changed, really. It really has changed since the days that I came up in. Now, thanks for that, Chase, for that $5 super chat. You rock and roll, man. But nowadays, it seems like all that has been thrown on its head. And that's why I can't wait to get archbishop's opinion of this particular subject as you know uh with big bone you got to go see that episode that i did with big bone we really got into a lot of history a lot of hardcore subjects that we're going to be trying to do that with on this channel so that's what we have going on for Today, it's going to be a good one. It really is. So what am I talking about when it comes to public perception of the cops? They've been doing study after study after study when it comes to this subject. And I guess one thing that has been proven, it is race and ethnicity when it comes to your perception of the police. Man, you're awesome, Chase. One more time for five bucks. You're rocking and rolling, man. There was a lot of good statistics here. 
And one of them statistics, I'm going to try to pull this up here on uh, sharing the screen here. Uh, I'm not as good as Black Dragon is on this one, but uh, we'll get it going here. Uh, let me see here. Entire screen. There we go. It should be up and rolling. There we are. Now, America's views of the need for changing in policing. And one thing that you'll always hear, especially at COC, NCOM, and all that type of stuff, is the profiling that happens to a lot of club members. But what's even more interesting is the profiling that happens with just regular independent bikers. It actually happens more to independents than it does club. And some of the things I'm going to ask Bishop about is... This poll, America's views on the need for changing in policing. Now, I'm hope you're not one of them supporters of the purge law coming here in Illinois in January, where everything was basically thrown out the windows, but we can get into that. According to all Americans, 58% say there's major changes needed 36 minor and then 6% no changes needed, which they must be living on a different planet. According to this poll, black Americans, 88% view it as needing a major change. 10% minor, 2% not. Then it goes to Hispanic, 63, 33, and 4. And then uh, white Americans, 51, 42, and so on. Then it breaks it down by party. Uh, 89% uh, Dems, 60 and 14 with Republicans. That's a very interesting type of poll right there, don't you think? Again, it breaks down into the different, if you're a Democrat, Republican, if you're white, black, Hispanic. And I really think you would probably get a totally different answer if you say you went to the west side, south side of Chicago, compared to what kind of answer you would get on the north side or the gold coast of Chicago. Because let's admit, cops are a funny species, if you will. They really are. I know they got jobs to do, okay? I get it. They have a job to do. And without them, there'd be pure anarchy out there. But at the same time, it seems like with the God complex, they let it get out of hand. They really do. They let the God complex get out of hand. Really appreciate that 1999 uh, Big Toke. Uh, it really does help us. Ooh, I got a call from Big Bone coming in. Hold on a second, guys. Yellow. I'm on air. What's up? <laughs> I uh, I sent it to his uh, his uh, what's it called uh, Instagram. Yeah. Hi, right, man. Hi, <laughs> uh, Archbishop's trying to get in right now, uh, so he'll be joining us for this conversation. Uh, Pastor Troy, let's uh, talk to you real quick. Uh, where we go here? 
I'm excited to hear the wisdom of Archbishop 1%. Uh, much love and respect from Tampa Bay Presidents, Warriors of Faith. Welcome to the show, Pastor Troy, man. I really appreciate uh, you being here. This is a pretty serious subject uh, that we're going to be talking about once we get Archbishop in. <laughs> oh, man. You got to love this uh, stuff, trying to get everything together. My one question, though, is this. Why is there such a divide on this question when we know we've seen what happens in the news? We've seen it over decades upon decades of how really things haven't been all that damn good. Why is it broken into a party where you have like 88% on the left and you got uh, independence and then uh, the right that don't see that there's a problem with what's going on. That's one thing that really gets to me is when you have a cop out on the West coast has a channel and while the NCOC which is Double D or the uh, Motorcycle Profiling uh, Project, was talking in front of a lot of the senators, Congress at the state level. They would go out and specifically target him, saying, oh, there's no problem. There's nothing going on with profiling. You're just full of shit and all this kind of stuff. That's what they would go out and bash MPP about. Then they bash their uh, the polls that MPP does. Why is that? Is it because they're calling attention to the problem and they don't want to face the problem that's happening outside? Is that what it is? Or is it? They don't think anybody should have the right to say, hey, the way you're policing is going overboard. Thanks for that rattlesnake, just because. <laughs> you know what? I got the best subs out there, man. <laughs> I do. Uh, Red was just asking a big bone and archbishop a question, and she wanted to know your opinion, too. Do you think it will ever become a unified MC set instead of a racial divide? I sure hope so. And from what I see out there, it is. Come on, you would have never heard 20 years ago where you had members of a black club on some of these councils. I think it's really there, don't you guys? You know? Most of that racial stuff in the club scene's been put aside. Now, I do admit that, you know, when I was around in the 90s, yeah, it wasn't like that, man. A black guy couldn't uh, step foot in one of the clubhouses we had. But now that's all open, man. We're actually closer. But that's something that you might want to talk to Big Bone about or Archbishop when he gets on here, if he can ever get on. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's becoming more unified because everybody has that 
common goal, and that common goal is what's happening with the profiling, what's happening with this movement in this country. Thanks for that, Gremlin, for the super sticker to $20. You have really seen a change in America when it comes to that divide. When you see somebody getting beat to hell, it don't matter if they're white, it don't matter if they're black, it don't matter if they're Hispanic. What we see is wrong. It's just wrong on every level when you see some of these body cam footages. The other day, there was a video yeah, the guy was trying to run away. Yeah, you know, the cops were chasing him. Well, he got tased and was set on fire. Then you have incidences where the cops are caught on camera, beating the hell out of somebody, shooting them. And you have to say to yourself, well, where are your PR departments or where is your training? to prevent some kind of stuff like this. And then you come back and say, well, wait a second. It ain't fair that we're being perceived like that. Well, you know, what's not fair is every time you turn around and you see a cop going, well, that's a motorcycle gang. Wait a second. What's the difference? We got our special guest in here. Archbishop uh, 1% was finally able to get on, man. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, brother. How you doing? Good. Good, man. Uh, we're talking right now about motorcycle profiling. And also, we're talking about public perceptions of police. And I wanted to jump on that subject first because I think it really does lead into profiling the motorcycle profiling or individual profiling so let's get everybody uh acquainted with you let's get a little information about you and then we'll go right into the subject man thanks for that family life go ahead bud oh okay <laughs> <laughs> well i'm uh no i thought i thought you were gonna ask me a particular question uh yeah i'm uh Archbishop One Percenter, and I, uh, I'm with the, uh, the Great Outcast Nation. Been, um, I've been out here on this on this motorcycle trend for uh, 22 years now, and uh, like I said, I've been been traveling these roads for many years. So, uh, you know, I mean, I've talked, me and you talked numerous times before because you know, I'm also on the other show, Big Bone Yard, with uh, Big Bone One Percenter. And uh, we just out here doing the same thing you're doing, brother, trying to share knowledge and pass down what we learned and uh, try to get these other people to uh, take those little gems out of that and be able to use it for their own thing. Rock on, man. I appreciate having you on the show. By the way, uh, Archbishop just showed his favorite football team, uh, the Dallas Star Boys. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, though, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it happens. 
I want to come back a little bit. You try to come back. <laughs> I want to get your uh, opinion on this video we're about to watch. Like I said earlier, we did a poll, and I want you to keep this in mind. And this was out of the Council of uh, New Jersey. And it said Americans' views of the need for changing in policing. And it said all Americans, 58%, said it needed major changes, 36% minor, no changes at six. Now, black Americans, it said 88% see major changes needed, 10% minor, and 2% uh, not needed. But I want to, you know, keep that at the back of your head, and I want you to check out this video real quick and give me your thoughts when we come back. There's obviously some big differences there, not just in perceptions, but in actual experiences. About four in five people in Hampton Roads say they trust the police, and satisfaction with police has grown by 8% compared to ODU's survey results last year. But when you look closer at the data, it shows disparities among people of different races and people who live in different cities. That's something Dr. Tansy Vandekar Burton analyzes. There's a different story here. There's, there's a different experience, but you know, a different lived experience for these communities. At least two-thirds of white people say police do a good job with using the right amount of force, treating racial and ethnic groups equally, and protecting people from crime. But only between 30 and 40 percent of black people agree. That may reflect the experiences with police officers that minority residents report. 29% of black or African-American respondents have had that kind of personal negative interaction with the police compared to only 10% of our white respondents. Now, Archbishop uh, 1%, we had that poll I just read off and this video that we just went over. What is your takeaway from it and how can you educate those who are like, well, the cops are all right. You know, they're just trying to do their job. What aren't they getting at the personal level with African-Americans? You know, it's hard to, it's hard, you know, I mean, not to say this the wrong way, but you know, like that, that poll there showed, it showed what white America thought as opposed to, you know, black and Latino or whatever. And it's, it's, it's hard for you to, it's hard for you to take, um, how can I put this? Um, it's hard for you to understand what you never experienced. Um, and what I say by that is, it's like black motorcycle profiling happens every day. Most African-American and Latino Americans, most of the ones that's out here on these, on these motorcycles are, you know, doctors, lawyers, blue collar workers, military, vets. Uh, some are actual police officers themselves that you fought. Uh, what's mind blowing is that with this day and age, that profiling exists off of motorcycles. You know what I mean? And it's not just only motorcycles. I mean, it's just, you know I mean, they can go for just, just on a regular vehicle. Uh, the, the first thing dealing with, with profiling is, is knowing you're right. There's there's nothing in federal law right now prohibiting profiling on black people and, and Latinos. That's uh, and it usually starts with just a, a simple traffic stop will lead on to something to something more. So understanding your laws and also understanding what actual probable cause is, because that's the that's the big thing 
that's that, that's going on. I mean, they uh, is being able to, to understand what that probable cause is, and that's and that's, there's a lot more to that. I'm sure we'll get to it here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I uh, a lot of people were surprised when I talked to Big Bone last week was there's something that black kids in America have to go through and it's called the talk. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, Bishop. Yeah. And coming from somebody like me, who's white or somebody who's Hispanic, uh, they wouldn't understand. I would have to say the torment. Some of these cops put uh, the black community through, like I said, uh, before you come on the show, me growing up in Chicago, it was always the North side and the gold coast were cool with cops and the cops were always budding heads on the South and West side. And we all know it had to do with ethnicity, but they didn't want to admit it. So when somebody who might've just been joining the show and say, well, no, you know, they don't talk there. Can you explain the talk? And when you first got it? Well, I got to talk many years ago and, you know, I have a, I have a 17 year old son. So I had to, you know, do the same talk with him because he's, he's out, you know, and my son is, uh, is, uh, biracial. So, you know, he, I wanted to get him to understand both sides of his history. Okay. And basically what the talk is, is just, is letting your kids understand that, you know, what they are to do and not do if you ever encounter law enforcement, uh, how you are supposed to, to answer the questions and be, you know, don't, don't do anything that would, that would trigger them to do anything further as to like trying to detain you or, or whatever. Just answer the questions freely. Don't, you know, keep your hands on the steering wheel. On a on a dash, don't 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 make no sudden moves. Answer answer your questions, and 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 move along. You know what I mean? It's now nowadays kids don't really understand the the actual the the true history of what's going on or what's what's used to go on in the in the United States. Um, so a lot of times when you explain it to them, they have they have so many questions involved because they really just don't understand because that's really not what they see now. But, you know, you have to, you have to put that in your kid's mind because this, this is something that it happens and it, and it happens all across America, you know? Um, but I think that one of the, one of the ways to, to stop that, you know what I mean? Because if you think about it, it's a, you, you think that it's a black and Latino issue, but technically it's not. It's actually a us issue for real. And it depends on where you at and who it is that's stopping you. You know what I mean? And and some of it they you can just like I said, it starts at a traffic stop and it could just simply be because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you driving a car that they don't think you should be driving, or a motorcycle that they don't think you can afford or whatever, and they're gonna pull you over to check you out. What they call a quote quote safety test, safety check, so to speak. And mm-hmm. which is on to other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for that outlaw feminist. Now, do you agree 
with uh, Darkman, uh, blacks and bikers have been criminalized through the media, so cops already have a negative perception, and also racism is real, which it is, and still alive in this country. Uh, but as the new generation comes up, Archbishop, do you think they're not learning enough about the civil rights, about Malcolm X, about uh, Martin Luther King, or is it just something that, oh yeah, that happened to my grandparents and it's not happening now? You know, I think a lot of, a lot of the history, a lot of black history has been suppressed. A lot of history that, that, that should be, um, you know, you can, how would you, how do you not talk about, the different things that went on in slavery, but you talk about Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus was, you know, what I mean, we we celebrate Christopher Columbus every year, but do you really know that Christopher Columbus was a savage? You know, what I mean, he basically robbed, pillaged, and steal, and took everything that he wanted to take from the from the people that was actually here in this country before him. But we celebrate that holiday. You know, what I mean, now if you're going to talk about history, then you need to talk. Don't don't pick and choose what history you want to talk about. You talk about it all. You put it all out there, the good, the bad, and the different. And then you let them you let these kids know, like, okay, this is this may have been what happened, but this is not your future. This is what this is what happened. This is, you know, this is the reason why the civil rights came into effect. And this is why certain bills and stuff came in came to pass so that we don't go back and recycle old events. This is, you know, this should be made um, sometimes learning this stuff will make you stronger as a person because you realize the pain and the trials that people went through in order to make it what it is now. Do you think that the country is moving in the direction of where MLK had a dream? Do you think we're moving towards that dream where it doesn't matter, hey, if you're black, you're white, everybody bleeds the same. They always say, hey, there's no racism in a foxhole. Do you think we're finally starting to move in that direction? And how is the perception of cops where they're out there beating a guy for no reason is hampering that? You know, I think I think overall that the movement is going is, is going in the right direction. I think there's there's little deviations in that along the way. Um, like when you was, like you was talking about the cop beating like the George Floyds and and the Tavon Martins and stuff like that. When you when you read about this stuff in the newspapers and hear hear about it on on TV, you have that what they call systematic racism. And it's you know as much as people try to suppress it and say that it's not there. It is actually there in some in, in some spots, and that's what that's what makes it that's what makes it confusing about all this with this day and time with all the stuff that that's happened, and we've been able to to move forward with that. You still have these small cells that that continue this racial epithet that keeps that keeps spreading around. Mm-hmm. You no. Know? Big I, bone. I, uh, I'm glad that you are familiar enough to give the talk to your kids. The talk for black kids can be and often is a matter of life and death. And you know what? That kind of hits hard uh, as a matter of life and death, because that's a side a lot of people don't get to see. You know, as a white kid, we were never given a talk. Uh, 
but it's horrible in a country where that has to happen. We're supposed to be a superpower. We're not a third world country that it should be treating our citizens like that. So when you hear that little kids have to have a talk about the people that are supposed to protect them, that's, that's messed up in my eyes. Correct. Correct. I mean, like if you think about it on, on that perspective, no one is safe from, the, from that kind of treatment anyway, regardless of your obedience to the law, your age, type of car you have, your motorcycle, your, your, your overall station in life. You know, skin color has been, they put this on, that skin color has became evidence of a possibility to, to commit something. Like, okay, you know, it's, it's two or three black guys over here. They must be up to something. It's two or three Latinos over here. They gathering around, you know, they're, they up to something, you know what I mean? And this is, and this is how it starts, you know what I mean? It, to, you know, as I, uh, like I said, I have four children and all my children are biracial. Okay. The mother is white. And of course I'm black. So we, we teach our kids the true history. You know what I mean? This is, this is where you came from. This is, this is the stuff that really took place. Not to make you feel any kind of way, but, but, but for you to be able to appreciate where you are now. Because uh, back 20, 30 years ago, this, you know, me and your mother being together was non-existent. That was not supposed to happen. You know, so you've got to be able to understand both sides of this history because you actually involved on both sides of this history. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, a lot of stuff with these cops, and if you think about it, (laughs) you know, a lot of cops, and I I just noticed from, from the ones that I know, a lot of cops was in one that was, that was in, that was in middle school that the, that the kids used to pick on all the damn time. And, uh, they was, they was like the hall monitors that people used to, you know, people used to flee on them and stuff like that. And they'd have had a bad experience. One of them probably then got beat up by one, by, by a black guy or a Mexican guy or whatever. And they, and they, they kept that in their psyche forever because they were, they was in a situation to where they were not in, they were not in authority and they were, they felt inferior. At that point in time, so when they grew, when they grew older, they took that inferiority towards this job. You know what I mean? Because they're this authoritarianism. You know what I mean? This they they the ones who make out the rules. They the ones that you think supposed to make out the rules. But in all actuality, they have an overall fear because somebody along the lines has done something to them that made that made them have that. You know what I mean? And they carried it on throughout which is crazy because you know sometimes you just gotta live and let live you gotta you gotta let freaking dogs fly so to speak mm-hmm. but like you know just like i do some people carry grudges and they and it carries on forever exactly now there has to be different levels of profiling you have your independence then you have your mcs that whether they're white, black, brown, but the intensity of the profiling from an African-American's angle has to be far worse than somebody who's getting profiled that's uh, white or Hispanic. Am I correct on that? True. Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, you know, for instance, you know, you have a lot of times that I know a lot of people not, I haven't had it happen to me yet, 
but I've been I've heard stories from other people where they have been they have been stopped for no reason at all. Wasn't speeding, wasn't wasn't doing anything. We just got stopped and was like, hey, we need to we're doing a safety check and uh I need to I need to go through your bag. You know. Uh if you don't know the law, you know, and most people be like, okay, I don't have anything in my bag. Oh, go on, go, go on, check it. That's really not what you're supposed to do. But they're like, okay, go on, go on, check it. And they find, say they find the, 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 the smallest little thing in it, which would lead on to something, you know, something huge. I mean, mm-hmm. for instance, that you got a knife in there and your knife is supposed to be six inches and it's seven and a half. Okay. Now you, now you just picked up another, another charge. You know what I mean? Now you, now you're about to be, detained and everything else for what you know i mean when you was when you was initially stopped though did you do anything wrong no but you know that's how it all starts it starts with that with that uh that safety check you know if you um um because racial profiling has has been like a discriminatory thing you got this um this thing called the aclu the american Mm -hmm. civil rights uh american civil liberties unit and uh, they have like a multifaceted effort to report problems that, that that people report dealing with dealing with profiling. Because uh, before when we was talking about knowing your actual knowing your actual constitutional rights, well, that falls within your Fourth Amendment. And the Fourth Amendment core principle is that the police cannot stop or detain a person with just cause, probable cause, or at least a reasonable suspicion that he or she is involved in a criminal activity. But the Supreme Court allows police to use traffic stops as a pretext. It's like a a fish for evidence. And uh, the data shows that 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 power is primary against African-Americans and Latinos. Mm -hmm. We have a question here, a really good one. How do you balance the line between standing up for your rights and not triggering them? Mm, you know, how do you, hold on, one more time. Show that one more time. I could, I could see it on your screen. Show it, post that one more time. How do you balance the line between standing up for your rights and not triggering uh, them? Well, Knowing, knowing your rights and being able to speak your rights, is there's nothing the law enforcement can do with you speaking your rights. As long as you're not doing, doing it in a threatening manner to where they can use something else against you. So if I'm, if, if I'm speaking my Fourth Amendment rights, then, and I'm telling you this is, this is what you can't do based on my rights, this, 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 that's one thing. Now, if I'm hooping and hollering and cussing and the flat of my arms and I'm and I'm making a notion like as though I can be threatening, then that's exactly what they're going to use. You know what I mean? So you have to be able to you have to be able to speak your knowledge without without showing the action as though you are being uh, intimidating or threatening or uh, about to to where they feel that they feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, we're lacking civics classes in the schools where it teaches about the Fourth Amendment, it teaches about the Constitution, 
And a lot of people are now ignorant of the fact that they do have these rights under the fourth and the eighth amendment of not having to give in to these type of searches. I think that, um, I think the kids in school are limited to what they, what they learn. I think they give them the basic, uh, the basic fundamentals of the constitution, the bill of rights, but do they actually, excuse me, do they actually go through and give them detailed information? I don't know. They don't, they don't, they don't do that. You know, that takes, um, you know, from a, from a child that takes your parents actually knowing the rules, the regulations, and, and, and the laws to be able to instill them, but then also, you know, being able to show them like, okay, this is this is the law that was just passed. This is this is what this law means. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you think about it, there's only there's only four states in the United States that actually has a, a profiling code. I mean, it, it's it's um, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Washington. Washington State, New Jersey, Maryland, and um, I think it's Idaho. I would have to ask Double D on that one. I know which ones you're talking about, though. Well, actually, Double D actually helped do the one in Washington State. Yeah. uh, Where they did that uh, revised code uh, dealing with motorcycle profiling. And if there was anything that was uh, during that stop that would have suggested profiling, then they would automatically be be taken as that and thrown out. Because um, but like I said, this is this is something that um, like I said, you only have four states out of 50 that actually has this. So is that something that that everybody needs to know? Sure it is. You need to get to, you know, I know like on our end here in Florida, we've been we've been talking with the COCs here and uh and talking to other uh, lawmakers here about actually proposing a revised code here for the state of Florida uh, that kind of mimics uh, Washington and, and New Jersey to be able to have this kind of this kind of provision done here. Now they were they're doing something now where they um, um, like like for instance if you went into like a restaurant or something you're not allowed to wear not allowed to wear your uh, your club colors and stuff like that. Um, so they're doing one now to where <clears throat> you can come in there without without being told, no, you can't come in here, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's been, that's something that they have going on, but the overall actual profiling code, nobody's never even thought of it. So this is something that me and Big Bone is trying to push here to get them to do this, uh, do this code and that put it in the law in Florida. You're talking about Florida. Now, the states you mentioned, let's take Washington State, for example. They're mostly a Democrat, liberal type of state, and they picked it up fairly quick. What barriers are the COC down in Florida going to find when they try to get this type of legislation pushed through uh, a full Republican and a governor uh, that's Republican, that cops can do no wrong. How hard is it going to be to get anybody to listen? Well, you know, dealing with uh, dealing in a Republican state where you got a, re- a Republican governor, it's always it's always going to be some loopholes in it. But there's actually 
um, I will say there was a um, a law that Big Bone uh, also was working with some lawmakers on back back about a year ago that was um, that was working with, uh, with with felons to restrain to give back felons those that their rights. You know, what I mean, after, you know, you went to prison, you paid your time, you get your time to society. You know, being able to get your right to vote and um, and stuff like that. And they went through and worked with these lawmakers, and they actually, Ron DeSantis actually did sign it and put it into law. Um, now, are they actually doing it? No. You know, because they, you know, as you go up the ladder there, even though he signed it, it still has to trickle back down to to where everybody can actually do it. And that's that, that's where it's sitting now. It's been that, that little trickle-down phase to where this is, where this is eligible for everybody to to be able to be a, be a part of, but he's actually being a, even though he is a Republican, he does actually listen. So it's not uh, it's not a clear cut and dry no with him. I think it's more or less like you know you have to you have to come in with the facts and it has to make sense. And uh, that's one thing, even though you know, I mean, I've I've kind of leaned Democrat and I kind of lean in, you know, I'm not really a Democrat, but I'm not independent either. I'm kind of in the middle there. And uh, but as as the stuff that I've I've seen from this particular governor here, he he does kind of he he's not a, a full right wing Republican, you know. What I mean, mm-hmm. he right. Thanks for that, old dog. I appreciate the the no- donation. You just mentioned something that I think we all can agree on. And that's with felons. When you pay your debt to society, your debt's supposed to be paid, meaning you should get your rights to vote back, your right to bear arms back. Why do you think it's such a problem in this country where people can't see that? You you, you took your punishment, you paid the piper. Why isn't the rights restored? You know, I've always, I've always questioned that. You know, I feel just like you. If you, uh, if you did something that you paid your get your debt to society, once you walk out of there and everything is said and done with you, you should you should get all your rights back, just like you never went there. Um, but you know, they put they put more and more restrictions on on felons. I mean, think about it. You could have you could have done a felony twenty five years ago. But you can't bear a firearm now, and you haven't done anything in 25 years. That's not right. It should be, you know, there should be a, uh, if they're not going to do it completely, as soon as you get out, there should at least be a statute of limitation. You know, like with, uh, so like with credit, for instance, if you don't, you don't pay a bill up to seven years, it, it gets wiped off your credit. Like it never was there. They should do the same thing with that. You know what I mean? If you doing a crime, one point in time in your life should not have to haunt you forever. You shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to live with that on your back mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. You should be able, like I said, if you paid your debt to society, you, you should be able to move around like, like every other American and have your same rights as everybody else. Now to throw a little monkey wrench into that, Mark uh, wanted to know nonviolent felons are different than violent uh, felons. Should there be a difference if they paid their uh, debt to society if it was nonviolent or violent? Well, now if you are violent, if you are violent felon, let's say you, you know, 
say you murdered someone or um, you had <clears throat> numerous assaults, you know, I mean, stuff like that to where they have to actually, you know, flag you, you know, what I mean, as being a potential to to do the same thing or something like that. And yeah, I could see them. I, I could see them doing that. I could see them putting a restriction on on, on violent versus nonviolent. I think if you did a nonviolent offense, okay, say you uh, say you got caught with a bag of weed and you did it a year in jail, okay? Does that mean that you can't uh, vote anymore for the rest of your life? Does that mean that you can't possess a firearm anymore? No, you know what I mean? It shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. But they make these laws more, they're not pick and choose, they're more broad spectrum. So when you're dealing with broad spectrum laws like that, everybody falls into it instead of the ones that, you know, you um, single these out and these here, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, you should have guidelines to that. I mean, shouldn't everybody face the same thing? Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's on guns. What about voting? I think everybody has their, I think everybody has the constitutional right to vote. Whether you have a, a nonviolent or a violent, you should be able to vote. You pay right. taxes. So, if I did a non, I mean, if I did a nonviolent crime or I did a violent crime, and I got a job right now, I'm still paying taxes. I still got to pay my taxes every year. I got to do everything else that everybody else is doing, whether they knew about my my felony or not. So I should be able to vote. I should be able to do everything that you're doing because I am actually doing everything that you are doing. I'm working. I'm paying my taxes. I'm being a productive member to this society. I'm doing what I need to do for the community. I'm going to church. I'm doing everything I'm, I'm supposed to do. So by me doing that and by me not being a repeat offender, I should be able to get the same rights restored and, and have than everybody else has. Well, I totally agree. I think the media puts out so much propaganda and spin towards felons or makes them out more than what they are where it actually scares the general public into thinking against something that's really how can i say it's really obvious that hey you pay your debt you get your rights back but i think media also does that to bikers and clubs as well when you see a lot of these people that go down because we cover the biker news you see it's individuals that are going down for these crimes, not a whole motorcycle club. Correct. I always say, and everybody hears me say it over and over again, clubs are not organized crime. They can't even get their kickstands up at noon for a poker run. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's only the individuals, but when they go to court, the government uses the club against them. And I don't think that's right. And I think where the propaganda has got out of control with the media, where it actually scares people into thinking that clubs are gangs. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they, um, you know, when you see, now just take certain clubs, okay? You, you see them, they walk around and they have, they got the jewelry on and they got 10 rings on and they got the boots and the, and the leather jacket and the vest and everything. And they look intimidating as hell. And you're looking at him and you're like, oh, man, I know, I know he's a felon. I can just tell. You know what I mean? You can just look at him and tell. But guess what? 
most of them are not. You know what I mean? Actually, to tell you the truth, there's there's actually 72% of police officers that did a, a study that I read up on. 72% of police officers, 825 annually, are actually charged with felony cases. 40% of them crimes they committed on duty. So you add all that up. 9,075 cops were charged with a crime in the past 11 years with 850 of them that was, that, that was convicted. Now, these are the ones who's supposed to be serving and, and protecting. These are the ones that's walking around in actual, actual uniforms. Their cops' actual rate of incarceration is actually lower than when you added up everybody from any MC club and put them all together. They're far less. Far less. Because mm -hmm. despite the inaccuracy, People just taking their optics and just automatically just just assuming. Most most members in these in, in these motorcycle clubs have no criminal record whatsoever. Exactly. Well, they had the Bowling Green, uh, Kentucky study where you were talking about this is how many cops across the country had cases thrown at them. This is how many that's been incarcerated. But do you always notice that they use the bad apple defense when it works for them? but they turn it to where on everybody else. Well, yeah, there might be a couple, but you're still a gang. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's back to what you was talking about the media. You know, the media puts the perception on anything. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be true. It's just their, it's just their perception. And mm -hmm. um, the things that I, that I tell people all the time, the difference between the truth and a lie, it's just a matter of, of a couple words in conjunction with each other that made what you told the truth an absolute lie. You could have started out telling the truth about something, you know, and as you go on and then, you know, how everybody do, they add a little something to it. And just, just that little bit of addition that they did that made that whole statement that you just told a lie. And that's a lot of things that, that the media do, because you think about it. You can make up a lie and tell them something and you can make it as extravagant as you want. And people will tune in because they want to hear that. They want that excitement. They want to hear about the beatings and the blood, the gore, and people killing this one. I mean, that's what that's what gets ratings. That's what that's what people tune into. But if you actually told the truth behind a lot of that stuff, the truth ain't that interesting. People mm -hmm. don't want to to the, the actual truth at times. You know what I mean? And you notice, even with the news. They may have had you on there and said that you done A, B, and C, and then they find out later on that that's not what took place. Did the news go back and correct themselves on it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> or it's at uh, page 50 of the back end. Uh, YT Lawyer, and this is a, you know, a great question for you, uh, Archbishop 1%. To be honest, I'm still trying to wrap my head around 1% clubs not being gangs. I understand there are individuals, but don't you give up some individual, uh, what is that? I can't read it. Uh, being an individual, uh, and he's an outsider, but that's his question. I'll leave it up. No, no, actually you don't. You don't get, you know, with any situation, with any organization that you're in, you know, and let me tell you, I've been in the military. I've been, I've been faithful. 32nd degree Mason, and I've been, and I'm an outlaw. And I'm going to tell you, nothing has made me change from who I am. 
I've always been the same way every day. I act the same way. I say the same things. I do the same shit that I've been doing all these years. Why? Because that's me. I don't I don't change who I am depending on the club I'm in and the atmosphere that I'm at. I'm always going to be that person. Now, that's can I say that for everyone? No, because you do have some people that join these clubs that that's there for the wrong reasons. Some of them there for the three P's. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you exactly what them three P's are because I know I mean I don't want to be on here you know cussing. But anyway, they, mm-hmm. but you know what the three P's are. Uh, you want if you don't go over to Big Boneyard, they'll tell you. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll tell you over there. Well, I ain't gonna tell you over here. <laughs> but uh, a lot of them come in like like I said for the wrong reasons, and when they come in. And then they actually get those cuts. Then they become who they think you expect them to be, not who they actually are. So they start acting different. Their moods are different. The way they look, the, the way they talk is different. The way they act is different. How they carry themselves is different. So, you know, to to some people, that statement that you made could be actually true. The real ones out here, the ones that's actually been out here all these years running up and down, crossing crossing state lines and doing what they're supposed to be doing for the, the club or any other organization they're in, you're going to find that they did not change who they were to do what they needed to do. Very well said. Now, you said that you were an outlaw. For somebody like YT, if they would have watched the media and stuff like that, they would say, oh, they're going around robbing, shooting, and all that stuff. What is the true de- definition of outlaw as it pertains to clubs? Well, well, if you go by the the original definition, the original definition is is that you got ninety nine percent of everybody obeys and follows all the rules and regulations set set before them, and you have one percent who don't. Now, does that make you out here robbing, pillaging, and stealing? No, that is a mindset. That is a mindset that you already have instilled in you. See, here's the thing. The outlaw didn't make me. I was an outlaw before I came here. The reason why I was an outlaw before I came here, now, that, that did not mean I was out here robbing pills and stealing. That meant that I followed my own, my own rules. I made my own guidelines to this life. I learned the, the stuff that I learned from the, from, from the older heads that was there that was actually doing it, that, that instilled that in me. Okay, I was never I was never a follower. I did my own thing, and by me doing my own thing, I be I was I always labeled myself as being an outcast because I didn't do everything that the normal person would do. You know, what I mean, I did it the way I wanted to do it because it was my path that I had to do. And when win, lose, or draw, it was going to still ride and die with me. So, um, the outlaw whole thing is a term but it's actually it's you it's who you are you know what i mean if you was raised to be opie taylor you're not going to be an outlaw that's just not you you know what i mean you have to the experiences that you went through in your life is what shapes you to become the man that you are now you can use that as a as a positive note to help out others or you can use it as something that's as, as a hindrance where you see people that's like, oh, oh yeah, this happened to me. This happened to me when I was when I was four years old and I can't get over it. You know what I mean? 
you got them. Then you got the ones that are like, okay, this happened to me. What did I learn from that? I learned from that. And I was able to move on. You'd be able to adapt and over adapt and overcome any situation that that comes before you. You're able to move that way, your life becomes easier because you know you know this game. Like you say, you hear people say all the time, you know, I play chess while people playing checkers. And like I tell people all the time, you may be playing chess, but you gotta know what level you are. What level of chess player are you? And also you need to know the level of the chess player that you're going against because he may be an expert or you may be a beginner. So know who it is that you're dealing with. So back to the question though, like I said, it's not, it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you anything. You are who you are. And what you put into this club is, is nothing more than who you are. What has the club taught you about life? that you wouldn't have found out if you weren't in an MC? Uh, I think, I think the most, the most that I've actually, that I actually learned in this club and a guy that was in the club before me, he actually, he actually taught me a lot, a lot of stuff dealing with the MC world. And one of the things that he taught me was, was that you always you always assume that the other person don't know. You educate them first before you ever do anything to them. And the reason for that is just that people just don't know. Sometimes what you may think is stupid, actually, it's, it's actually a valid question to, to somebody else because they really don't know. I had to, being in the club taught me a lot of a lot about patience because I didn't, I didn't generally have it, especially when you're dealing with dealing with other people in other clubs and you, you know, different stuff that's going on and stuff like that. And you really have to sit back and think about every little scenario, think about every option, every A, B, and C. You know, it it made you, it made you a thinker, it made you strategize things, it made you put things into perspective that that you wouldn't normally put into perspective. So, um, a lot of the stuff that that uh, that I learned was more on a political side, because that's that's just me. Um, the riding, I I ain't never have a problem with the riding thing. You know, what I mean, I was always, I was always the quote quote, uh, I was the lawyer. I was the one that was defending everybody. I was the one that you called when you needed to talk to somebody. I'm the one that you called. So, I was able to take. A lot of the stuff that I dealt with in my past made it here and was able to use it more here than uh, than I probably would have been able to do anywhere else. Wow. Uh, YT, you got some good questions going, man. Do you, a Archbishop, do you ever find conflict with what you believe and your principles and the club, your brothers, how do you deal with that? Do you have to submit? No, no. <laughs> I think that's what I think that's one of the things about me that most that most people tell you. I mean, I battle the red eye devil and get him two rounds. That's just that's just me. If I know that I'm right, I'm right. And ain't nobody gonna tell me indifferent. You know, that's uh, that's the key thing. Like one of the things that we talked about on the other show is knowing your bylaws. Because your bylaws is key. 
you know, your, your chapter bylaws, your state bylaws, your, uh, your national bylaws, knowing them bylaws inside and out is what's going to save you 100% of the time. So no matter what, them bylaws is key. So if anybody brings up anything opposite of that, like I said, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can rattle bylaws off just like I can, before I can count to 10, I can read you, I can read you step by step, word for word. But this is, this is what I live by. You live by a code of ethics, morals, principles. This is, this is said by people who have spent a lifetime defending something. A lot of people these days use it as a punchline. If you have these essential things in you, there's nothing nobody else can do to make you submit or stray from what your, what your core principles are. Very correct. Now, you brought up something very important right there. Morals, respect, loyalty, honor. Do you think this country is lacking that and that's why we're seeing such the problems we're seeing as a country as a whole is there's no more morality left. There's no more being able to sit down, discuss opposing views. I think, I think people, I think people tend now to turn a blind eye to things that does not concern them. Um, you know, if you think back, back into the, you know, the 50s, 60s and 70s, you know, <clears throat> when you were dealing with the boycotts and the, and the civil rights movement and stuff like that, you had people that was actually getting involved and contributing to, to that, that cause that was not black because they believed in what they were seeing and they, and they stepped forward and made it happen. Nowadays you have people that you can have somebody to get killed right in front of you and you, and the police act on what happened. and like, Oh, I don't know because it didn't happen to them. You know what I mean? And I think that's what's, that's what's been the biggest thing that's going on here is like people's, people's overall morals and principles have been shunned for some reason. I mean, I'm not, I really can't quite grasp it. I mean, it's like they feel that as though if it didn't happen to them, then it didn't matter. But it could actually happen to you. You know what I mean? You just gotta think the same thing that you walked by yesterday could happen to you tomorrow, you know? So um, I think that's one of the big things. And then I also think like when um, I know some people ain't going to like what I'm like, what I'm getting ready to say is, you know, I never had an issue with, with, with Trump. I never had an actual issue with him. I think he has his way just like all of them. I think, you know, Republican, Democrat, whoever they put on there, I think they all have their equal amount of BS that goes, that goes along with them. But one thing that I, that I didn't like about him was that he was, what he was saying, even though he was gangster about how, how he put it out there, but it, it kind of brought a lot of the, the racism stuff back that you didn't normally hear. It brought it back out to the forefront. I don't, and that was one of the biggest things that I didn't I didn't like about him as as a president because I felt that that should have been something that you should have been trying to to lead this country against. This should be another this should be another cycle. It's like okay, this is another generation that we're not going to deal with this. That we're gonna that we're gonna bond together as a as a group. Because it's not black, white, Hispanic. It's us. 
as a people. It is us. And whether you, you know, whether we like it or not, the government itself does not care about the 99% of us just walking around here. It takes all of us as a whole to be able to to band together and say, you know what, what, what this is right here is past. We're not going to reciprocate, nor are we going to continue to do what used to be. This is this is a new generation. We have kids that we're raising. We have there has to come a time to where this stuff has to end. You heal from that, and then you're able to move on from that. And that's where I, you know, I, I think a lot of people need to actually come correct and actually pay attention. You know, what I mean, how many people actually watch the news these days? A lot of people really don't, or if they do, they just watch one in particular. Like they just watch Fox or they just watch CNN. You know, what I mean, you don't watch it all, but you have to watch it all in order to get the true story on it. Because you know, of course, one's going to tell you the other side, one's going to tell you the right ring, one's going to tell you the left. So you need to watch them all in order, in order to figure out what the actual truth is there. And then, you know, once they, you know, once something big happens, you know, they, they talk about, you know, the big thing that happened, but while they're talking about this big, talking about Ukraine, for instance, then all this other little stuff that you don't know nothing about clips on by that you ain't even paying attention to because everybody's focusing over here. So I think it's time for the American people to wake up, wake up, see what's really going on here and actually make a difference because it all lies and dies with us. The government is just what it is. It's an authoritarianism complex. It's going to be to keep us all, keep us all divided, to keep us fighting each other. That Very happens. well said. Uh, Pastor Troy, uh, that's a fact. Archbishop 1%, there's a lot of demo- uh, lack of democracy and di- uh, diplomacy. Uh, much love and respect to you and yours, Archbishop. I have to agree because people can't come together and actually have a conversation anymore. Right. Right. You know, um, I know it used to be, you know how they say, well, there's two things you don't, you don't talk about and that's religion and politics because you always going to find somebody that's not going to agree with your views or whatever. And where that may be true in some some instances, but you also got to think about this. You know, religion is what you make it out to be. The Bible is full of interpretation and it's built on your interpretation. The Bible also says that only a true disciple can read the parables and understand what it means. That means that it is your own interpretation of what you read and what you feel that it means. Simple. It's not about Baptist against Protestant against this, that's not it. Government-wise, why do we care? Because they damn sure don't care about us. Why do we care? You know I mean, we just need to make sure that, that they put the laws in place for us. It's our job to make sure that they do right by us. And I think everybody has to have that understanding. You know what I mean? It's not about, you know what I mean, kick the, kick the racial thing out the door where it is. Let it die. And I think the reason why it's, it proceeds to carry on is because somebody always has to bring up the question. It's not existing. Let it go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let the past be the past. Take what you learned from the past and make a better future. Don't dwell on your past because if you dwell on the past, the only thing that you're going to do is turn around and reciprocate the past. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, very well said. Last couple of uh, questions. Do you think we're lacking free too many free thinkers or and everybody's just sheep? How do you teach your kids to be free thinkers where they're getting bombarded by TV, video games, that that's not how they're supposed to be? I think you need to, I think every parent needs to instill in their child like the, the core principles, morals, family values, stuff like that. Reason why is because if you watch, you watch TV now, TV in 2022 was way different than, than TV at 2000, way different to uh, TV in 1990, way different. And it's like, I'll give you an example. Now, you know, um, back in the, you know, from the 60s on up to, let's say, 2000, you very rarely talked about homosexuality or anything like that. They kept it in the closet. Nobody knew about it. The family knew, but they never said anything about it. They kept it on the hush. Now, every program that you watch has some kind of innuendo. It always leads up to this. And it's, it's making it now to where if, if they, they push it out enough that it's socially okay. But is it really socially okay? You know what I mean? Now, people have all their different opinions about that. But what I tell my children is, is that you make your you make your decision on the individual. Doesn't matter what the what the gender is. You make your judgment based on how that person did you, how that person treats you. Nothing more, nothing less. Is that what everybody's doing though? No. Now, certain programs that I know that that have stuff like that on, do I let them watch it? No. No, because I, you know, what I mean, because I don't want you to deter what it is that I'm pushing out. You know, and I'm. I'm I'm pushing it out to where everyone is equal. Everyone is judged equally. Everybody, you you give someone respect, they give you respect back. Respect is 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 earned. It's not given. You have to you have to come out here and do your work every day to be the person that you want to be. But be your own man or be your own woman. Okay. A lot of times, if you think about it now, we don't have. This day and age, you don't have the, the the 50, 60 year old grandmother that is still in, in the grandkids and teaching them how to cook. Now, your grandma is 35 years old and she's going to the clubs with a daughter. You know what I mean? It ain't the same no more. You know, you, uh, you, you have mothers now that's not, that's not teaching these kids and they're not nurturing. They're not, not teaching them home training. What are they doing? They're sitting them in front of a, a TV. Or you giving them an iPad and let them go on YouTube and watch whatever they want to watch. You know what I mean? I, my, you know, you, I see three-year-old kids that can take a, they take, take an iPad and scroll right through it and find everything that they need to find. But can't tell you a complete sentence, but they can know, but, but they know how to use that, that iPad. They're not, they're not teaching them the way we were taught as we were growing up. You know, so it's like now, if you think about it, like, wow. When this generation now, this baby become older, we don't for real because it's not teaching them anything. One point, uh, and this would be the last one because I know you've been on a long time uh, with your show and then this one. One thing I always uh, get in an argument about with the old lady is I do not believe that a woman 
can raise a boy to be a man. I don't believe that. What's your thoughts? Mm, you know, <laughs> that's that's. I'm gonna put, you know, them on, I'm gonna put them on the judgment seat here, everybody. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. <clears throat> my uh, and I'm just gonna speak this on my own because this is this is something that I personally went through. Now, my my father was not around me until I was old enough and I could run around and do what he wanted to do. Okay, when I when I got to the age that I'd run I could run around and party with him and do everything else, then he became he became my my father. And I'm gonna tell you until the day he passed, we were always on a first name basis. I never considered him as being my my father. The one that I actually called dad was the one that was there with me, the one that instilled in me what I feel that I needed. He was the one that I went to when I needed. My uncles was also around you know, during that time too. So I picked up a lot of, a lot of stuff from them. But my mother was, my mother played both roles. And the reason why she was able to play both roles was, was because she was, uh, you know, she was, she was a battle hardened woman. She was, you know, straight up, straight up from the South. And she was, she knew what she needed to do. You know what I mean? She worked. You know, what I mean, she gave me, she gave me what what she could give me, and I feel that, you know, a lot of women, they can, they can teach a woman how to be a woman. I do feel that that a woman cannot entirely teach a boy how to be a man. That's where that that father has to always be a part. Whether y'all get along or not, he has to be there to teach him that other side. It's a, it's just a, you know, your your mother can teach you your manners. And you know how to be loving and self, you know, have a little self-respect about yourself and be able to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and you know stuff like that. Your father is what's going to—he's going to give you that that life experience to be able to sit you down, like, look, boy, this is what this is what I had to deal with, and if I could teach you what I had to deal with, that keeps you from later on having experience and go down the same track that I did, because your because your main goal is not to continue the generational curse you want to be able to break it one time and make you know don't don't let your kids go down that same path that you went to them them, them fathers are important whether your mother likes him or not your fathers are important they need your child needs that he, he needs that man there you know what i mean you may not like him yet but it's something that he but but you liked him when you had him you liked him when you had the child like them did so and when you when you decided that you that you were gonna have this kid you know what i mean you you wanted him to be like his father because that's who you like that's who you have this kid by okay so it has to be something about him that he has to be able to instill in his boy fathers always need to talk they, they should never be right on, that's the best answer i've ever had to that one man uh, three box op. This truth is hard hidden. The younger generations need to be listening to this video stream. Much love from an old one percenter. That's uh three box op, man. Appreciate but that. I, you know what? I can go hours with you. Uh, you give so much knowledge. You come from all different angles, Bishop. Uh, I suggest everybody go over to the big boneyard. It's every Sunday. Uh, Archbishop 1%'s there, Big Bone 1%'s there. 
help them get some subscribers, man. They're almost at a thousand people right now. And once you get over that thousand hump, that really gets the show going where you can get more knowledge out there that Archbishop's given today on the show or Big Bone uh, from last week's show. So please go over there, man. I really appreciate that if you do. Uh, go over there and sub, subscribe, all that good stuff. They're getting all their audio equipment going real good. I'm, uh, you know, I'm on there constantly, man. Anytime they're on, I'm on. I love listening in to them too. They really give some good information. November 6th, I'm going to have the Outlaw Feminist in here. We're going to be talking about some of her causes and all that. But uh, Bishop, I'll give you the last word, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show, man. It's a I like to do this again, though. We had a real good, had a real good show tonight. Good dialogue, and I like the, the the questions that was coming through. I mean, that really kind of keeps you on your toes. I mean, I had some stuff that I had down, but I'm like, okay, we may be talking about this and this, but I like, I like the questions, you know. And it's uh, one of the things that me and Big Ball talked about all the time is that the reason, another reason why we was doing this show, is that we wanted to answer the questions that people that sit in meetings and stuff don't ask. And you ever notice, like, you have a meeting and then you leave and then you get five, six phone calls. They're talking about, you know, well, this and this and this. And what about this? And what about this? And like, well, why didn't you ask that when we was in the meeting? This is the stuff we want that, that we, we want to talk about because we know that people do the exact same thing. It's not just here. They do it everywhere. And, you know, for us to be able to give that, 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 that knowledge out, to give those little gems out, for, you know, to be able to help people is, is a, it's a great feeling. You know what I mean? So I appreciate you having me on this show. Like I said, I definitely would like to do this with you again. And Oh, you're you. coming back on, man. We're bringing you big bone. See, I love having the deep conversations now, the human interest stories. And the, yeah, I do the biker news during the week, but I like getting to know the people. I like to get to know their viewpoints, their advice. Because me, I'm learning all the time. You know, I'm going to be 49 years old next week, and I still believe I haven't even learned two percent of what life has to give me as far as education and that's where i'm really trying to bring this series now and you just gave me a ton man like i said you were the first one who answered that question the way you did and i usually throw that out to people usually to get them in trouble with the old ladies but uh you turned that and bit me in the ass uh <laughs> <laughs> but no man you guys are more than welcome like i say i'm an avid uh watcher of your show because i do learn a shit ton of stuff with you guys i appreciate it appreciate it get over there you guys and gals go visit come on they're only like 30 or 40 away from that thousand uh mark man i appreciate it we'll see you guys during the week and gals man talk to you later rock on <laughs>